Welcome to the Revival Podcast. I am your host, Jack Gallego, creator of Revival, a fitness and health lover, a chef, a foodie, and an entrepreneur. I have dedicated my craft to empowering the intuitive freedom for the fitness-loving, health-adoring, foodie at heart who craves knowledge. In this podcast, we bring you episodes from myself and many other amazing guests that are going to help you spark your revival and enhance your life through insights on all things wellness, nutrition, personal development, and business related. Now let's get to it. Thank you so much for coming on here. I have Miss Cassie Lynn. So today I have one of my amazing friends. She is a health and fitness coach. She is a mom of two and soon to be more. Yeah, the adoption process, all the paperwork's in China. It's going to be a couple years till they actually like send it. Gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> so mom of two for now. Yeah. <laughs> she also served six years in our military. So talk about boss lady right there. I actually <laughs> found that information because I went uh, Instagram stalking on all your posts. <laughs> so just to let you know how I just randomly knew that. Um, <laughs> she absolutely loves to teach women how to break free of fitness fads and build muscle eating the foods they love. She has been featured on Self, Shape, and Oxygen magazine. And we actually connected over just both of our loves for balance and living intuitively. Mm -hmm. We were just both like, what? You like this too? (laughs) That's how we connected. So today, that is what we are going to be talking about, which is all about how to eat the foods you love and obtain the body of your dreams. Yeah, that's exactly what you do. So if you don't mind just telling a little bit about yourself, your coaching programs, like everything that you do. Okay. Wow. That can own up. I could like just go an hour on that alone. <laughs> so yeah. So yeah. Background about me. Um, used to be in the military. Um, now I am, my husband is still in, so I'm a military spouse. And so we pick up our lives and travel or move like every two to three years. So there's a good chance I've lived in the same state as like most of your listeners. <laughs> um, and so after I transitioned out of the military, um, I did some work uh, in Korea when we were stationed there. Um, and then we moved to Florida and there was like, the market was just like not meant for me. <laughs> yeah. And um, I was like, okay, well, there's only other one other thing that like I absolutely love. And that is lifting and like fitness. It's like, mm-hmm. so let me do this personal training thing. So, um, I went and got my certification. I have my master's in international relations. I'm clearly not. Using it. <laughs> at the time, did you think you were though? Like at the time were you like, that's what I'm going to do? Yeah. Yeah. I thought, I mean, I got it because I thought I was going to stay like in government work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I just was like, well, why wouldn't I have I did everything right on paper. I went to college, got my bachelor's. I joined the military, so I served. Mm-hmm. And then I got out and I got my master's. Like, that's what you're supposed to do, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the market said no. <laughs> so, yeah, so I went and got my certification. And then I was like, well, I don't want to work for a gym. Like, yeah, I just had no desire to have, like, somebody take, like, have my paycheck and, right. and do things their way. So like I went on Facebook, I just went online. I like bought some dumbbells, some kettlebells, some slam balls. And then I went on Facebook to like a bunch of groups in the local area. 
It's like, hey, I'm gonna start training people at the park. <laughs> I'm pretty sure none of it was legal. Like I'm pretty sure I wasn't supposed to do that or, or anything. But I did that for about a year and a half, all in-person training. Um, and in just, yeah, in the park. I hey. took several parks in Fort Walton. Like, and it was crazy because I, I developed such a loyal client base that like, if it was pouring down rain and there was a pavilion, my client was showing up. Like it was like, I remember a couple of times the water was starting to flood because we'd be right on the water. It would start getting closer and closer. I'm like, move faster. We gotta get done. <laughs> but you just build such a connection with your clients that like you get so excited to see them and they, some will do things that you never thought they would do. <laughs> like go out in like borderline hurricane weather and come train with you before, you know, you get hurt or something like that. So yeah, I just, I had people out in the open and that's how I kind of got started. And then when we moved to California, um, you know, building up a clientele base is really hard in person. So I thought, I think I can reach and help a lot more people if I take this thing online. And so that's what I did. And I was like, well, I don't want to just be like everybody else and send them a PDF and be like, you need to do a shoulder press and then you need to rest and then you need to do this. I wanted to build something that made them feel like either I was there with them or they could confidently conquer the weights without having a trainer right there with them. So that's when Lift Like a Boss was born. And that program, 12-week program is my baby where I help women not only crush the weights with confidence, but teach them that why fed diets are just stupid. <laughs> I can say it more eloquently than that, but that's just the best way to say it right there. <laughs> I love that so much. And yeah. did, is that the program that you still have? Yeah, that's, that's, that's the, the one. Mm -hmm. That's my baby. That's the one I've, I've been running it for two years and it gets better every time because I talked to the women who went through it. Okay. What did you like? What didn't you like? Mm -hmm. How can I improve this for you? And I take all that and I improve it. So then the next group going through is like, wow, I can't believe this. And I'm like, man, the ladies before you are a part of this creation. Like I had an idea, I had a shell, but every group that goes through makes it even better with each time. I got you. And what is that like an eight week program? Is it a four week program? Or is it like one-on-one -on -one coaching? It's actually, it's a group, it's group and it's 12 weeks long. The next one's actually starting January 28th. <laughs> 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 yeah, it's 12 weeks. We have a Facebook group just for the ladies in the program. And then you have like one-on-one -on -one nutrition coaching with me because I think nutrition is so personal. Like any mm -hmm. cookie cutter meal plan just isn't, my taste buds are different than your taste buds. Yeah. So every, yeah. Said, and they yeah, should so, be. Yeah. And so even if I said, um, I want you to eat some, a fun food. Like, let's say, Hey, go have a cookie. <laughs> yeah. And like, what do you like that cookie? Okay. We'll just go find one you like. So, mm -hmm. um, my animals are going crazy. Can you oh, you're fine. Off? My dog, I had a, an interview this morning. My dog went crazy in the middle. I was like, Luna, <laughs> Luna, please. That's how it happens. Right. And because we live on a military base, sometimes they're <clears throat> doing live fire, like way out in the desert. So our house will shake. Um, oh, yeah. a little terrifying. Yeah, well, I mean, we're used to it, but my dog will start barking. <laughs> the regular population would probably be terrified, like that mishap in Hawaii, what, like last year. But I'm just like, oh, they must be like blowing things up. <laughs> Go Army. So with nutrition, the way that you like to tell people with the cookies and how their taste buds are different. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... 
I, there's just, there's all, and I, I did it. I mean, I can, I still have the very first meal plan I was ever given by a coach and it's chicken, then broccoli and asparagus and then oats and sweet potatoes. Like that list of 10 that you, that everybody preaches are like these magical foods. And it's not realistic. It doesn't allow you to live your life. Mm -hmm. And so people think they have to make a decision between living their life and having fun or wanting to lose weight and build muscle. And actually they're not far apart at all because you can have that cookie and you can have spinach. (laughs) You can have some pizza and you can have some chicken. Like they don't have to be, well, I'm in diet mode. I'm in, um, you know, doing whatever mode or, you know, fat loss versus something else or not wanting to lose anything at all. Like they can go together. They don't have to be one the same on my Insta stories. Almost about every single day I show my pre-workout Oreos (laughs) and I get messages like, why are you like, are these Oreos special? Like, (laughs) no, I just like to eat Oreos before I go work out. Like it's just my, it is a quick carb. It doesn't bloat you. Something that I just enjoy. Like I Mm -hmm. absolutely just enjoy having two Oreos before I go work out. Like it's fun. And because I can, and there's no negative side effects, I don't get fat from it. And then if I wanted to lose weight, it's not going to prevent me from losing weight. No, it's it's literally just two Oreos. It's just two Oreos. It's two. Yeah. Yeah. But it blows people's mind because they're still bombarded all the time by the fitness community. Like Mm -hmm. the community is part of the problem saying you have to eat this way. And if you don't, one, you don't have willpower, you're not strong enough, or you don't want it bad enough. Mm-hmm. And that's just, that's such BS. It is. It's just all like the marketing that people do and yeah. even just like everything has to be to the like, to the extreme level in order to be taken seriously. Like, yeah. like even I've noticed like with my product, like if, uh, it doesn't have, people are always like, well, is it high in fiber? Is it high in whole grain? Is it high in protein? Is it low in fat? Is it low in carb? I'm like, no, who said it has to be? Like yeah. who, who ingrained this like scheme of what we think is healthy? Like everyone's like, oh my God, I need lower carbs. I can't have that many carbs. I'm like, why can't you have that many carbs? Why? <laughs> like who t- it's completely okay. This one person, actually, I tried to, um, I sent them some samples. It was a business owner and he was like, um, well, they don't have 25 grams of protein, so we're not going to take them. I was like, who decided that that was a number, you know? Like who decided wow. like oh, when I eat something with protein, it has to have 25 grams. I was like, that's crazy. crazy. Now, like, like I probably wouldn't buy like a, like a big tub of just straight protein. Like if my scoop's not going to give me my bank, but if I'm eating like a food and your cookies are delicious, I'm not going to be like, nope, not going <laughs> to nope, I'm going to be like, doesn't have 25 grams. I would yeah, like, that's, wow. that's absolutely, that's crazy. But that's just the mindset that so many people are in. And like, you know what, like you can, there is a way to like change their mindsets and to teach them, but some people are just always going to think that way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's really tough. I, um, I do through the application process with look like a boss, I get on a free consult calls and the horror stories that I hear. And it's not necessarily from them Googling something. It's from a former trainer or somebody else who told them this is how it has to be. So that's actually the scarier part. They didn't have a complex beforehand. 
It was created when they went and trusted someone else to help them. And that is more heartbreaking than somebody who went on Google. No offense, but it just, it just, it's heartbreaking when you paid someone money and said, I need your help. And they led you down a path of almost creating like a problem where you thought if you weren't doing cardio, then you couldn't burn fat. If you weren't eating these 10 special foods, if you weren't eating six times a day, which most people don't have time for, like if you weren't carrying your Tupperware with you, you know, you weren't going hard. <laughs> like when did, when did it have to be go hard or go home? Like gym memes need to change. <laughs> Even if you have Tupperware, like it's all, it, it's been considered meal prep. I can't tell you how many times I've literally just put my lunch in a Tupperware and people are like, oh, do you meal prep? I'm like, I'm just trying to enjoy my lunch. <laughs> it's literally just in a Tupperware. Why does that automatically associate that I meal prepped? I just, I, I don't have a plate. I don't know. You're so right. Oh my gosh. That is so true. When I was working in Korea, um, my colleagues would go out to lunch every single day. Don't get me wrong. The food in Korea Oh, it was so good. Like it was so good. Like these little like hole in the wall, like little restaurants were just delicious, but I just didn't want to go out to eat every day. So I would bring in like burgers. I would bring in like my eggs with bacon and cheese and stuff like that. And it was like, oh, I mean, like, are you on a diet? And I'd be like, (laughs) no. No, no, yes, I, or I, that if you bring your not to go to eat It's expensive, man. <laughs> and I'm sorry. They're even now because I still will like go to a workplace for my other job. And if they order out, even at any job I've ever been in, when they asked if I wanted food when they ordered out, I'd always say no because it's always like pizza. How am I supposed yeah. to work and be efficient if I'm shoving down like four slices of pizza? I just want to go to bed. Oh my like, gosh, it's so nice. Yes. That's not stuff that's going to fuel me. And my mom is the same way because she's a nurse and all the nurses like to order pizza or Chinese. Yeah. And she's like, how am I supposed to be productive after I eat all that? Yeah. It's like, it's not that it's bad or anything. No. It's delicious. It just makes me want to take a nap. Exactly. So if I'm going to eat pizza, it's usually like in the evening. And like, I know I probably won't be doing much afterwards because Mm -hmm. it does. It sits heavy in my stomach. Nothing wrong with the pizza. It's just not going to help me be productive through my day. Yeah. Now two cookies would help me be productive through my day. But yeah. yeah, So yeah, there are. Yeah. So like there's almost like these intensities on both ends, right? Like, Mm -hmm. oh, what's wrong with you? Why do you have Tupperware? (laughs) Why don't you want pizza every day? And the other one is, oh my gosh, you're an awful person because you're having pizza. Like it's like these, these crazy dichotomies and it's, I just don't, I don't know. I don't know if we'll ever break the mold, but it's like almost like one person at a time. Like what can we do with one person at a time? And then if we get them excited about it, they'll go share it. They'll be like, oh, Sally, how did you build that muscle and lose the, you know, the extra 10 pounds? How much cardio did you do? Did you go on keto? And they're like, no, I ate much. <laughs> And I lifted for 45 minutes a day, three times a week. And they're like, no, you have good genetics. <laughs> like, right. Oh, I hate that. It wasn't extreme. Yeah. It's not extreme I enough. The, so I hate the genetic work. excuse. It's yeah. such, it's such for random people, for one in a million. For one in a million. Like we can deny that it doesn't exist. Like yeah. people who are in professional sports, yes, they worked hard, but they are likely more athletic than someone who may have worked just as hard. So like we can't completely deny it. Mm -hmm. Or there are some girls out there who really can like maintain like these abs and eat like crazy. And I'm just like, wow, that's 
right? But, there is those random ones. Yeah, there's a random, but they're like 1%, you know, and mm-hmm. everything. So to use genetics as your excuse of why you can't get to where you want to go only holds some water. Like it only holds some water. Like mm-hmm. obviously I don't have the body of Serena Williams, right? Like she, we have totally different body types completely. Yeah. She has these big, beautiful muscles that even if I worked the next, you know, five years, I will never have her body type. So yes, genetics play a role in like the way we can shape and build, but it's not like it's going to completely make you look. It's, it's not the reason you can't lose some weight. Yeah. It's not like a yes or no. It's like, okay, are you genetically gifted? No. Okay. Well you can't do anything. Like, yeah, it, yeah. like it, doesn't, it doesn't stop you. It's not like a halt or anything. Yeah. And you're not carbon tolerant. That's just silly. <laughs> yeah. and so just- when did you get, cause you said your first meal plan, did you, what was it that made you get into doing fitness? So, so, did you do bikini? Did you do competitions? Because I know, like, that's a big thing for people who do bikini, and then they realize, whoa, this lifestyle is way too extreme for me. Yeah, it's funny. I actually, I think my story really lasts almost in this regard lasts a decade because I started lifting when I when I got in the military. Like, I realized, holy crap, you're weak and you're going to get someone hurt if you don't get your act together. I'm five two, right? I'm not a very big person. Um, (laughs) And I was an interrogator and we got embedded with the infantry guys. So I was on the ground with them out in the towns all the time. So if something happened, they needed to be depend on me that I wasn't a liability. Like, can she carry her own weight? So, and I couldn't when I first came in. So I started lifting and this is back before YouTube was like, you know, just find YouTube and blah, blah, blah. So I was like in the magazines, like figuring out the workouts, doing things all wrong, but I did it right. And I got stronger. It wasn't perfect, but I got stronger. But my food relationship took much longer. I was a clean eating zealot. I did paleo. I did intermittent fasting. I did all these things because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. And this is before I competed. So, okay. how um, did you find out about paleo? Was that through the magazines and stuff? Like, CrossFit, doing all those- I was a CrossFit yeah? junkie. Then okay. they're like, paleo, paleo. <laughs> <laughs> so, I drank the Kool Aid. Um, and, and, and I just I trusted them. So, I thought, well, they know, right? Um, and so, yeah, I got stronger. And paleo actually was the thing that really broke me because it was, it, it, it was cleaner than I had ever eaten before. And yet I was putting on weight, like at a fairly fast pace because I didn't understand, I still didn't understand that too many calories was going to make me gain weight and not help yeah. me maintain or lose or anything like and that. And like why you were eating the carbs, why you were eating the proteins, like all that yeah. stuff. It was just more of like, I was told to do it. So mm-hmm. I'm gonna do it. Yeah. And so I did a lot of wrong things for a very long time. And so, and I would always beat myself up about it. Like what's wrong with me? Another reason why I'm so passionate about trying to help people break through it. What's wrong with me? Why can't I do this? I'm not strong enough. Um, I need to eat less, eat less, and work out more. So even though I had strength training never wavered, my food relationship was a battle year after year after year. So I actually had wanted to get into competing way back in like 2009 or 10. But it just it was like, it was one of those things like, I might do that someday. 
Mm -hmm. Um, so instead when I was pregnant with my second son, I was like, all right, after six months after I have him, I'm going to do a show, like prove me wrong that I can't do it. So, um, I had my son and then I got a coach like two months later and then I was on stage and six months after I had him, that is crazy. I was shredded. Right. But my food relationship was still a hot mess, like a hot mess. Like I walked away with three trophies that day. I should have been on cloud nine. And for a brief moment, I was. But I still thought that if I didn't eat perfectly, I was now going to get fat. Because now I got that body, right? Like I'm like, ooh, look at all that muscle. You can see everything. Um, So it just reinforced all the bad things that I had already thought. Like this was the only way. And then one day, about a couple months after I competed and I was like binging so bad afterwards, I just like wanted to eat everything in sight. I found somebody, Lane Norton, and he talked about flexible dieting and he was eating a pop. No, no, he wasn't eating a pop tart. I don't know what he was eating, but it, I couldn't get enough of it. And he had a PhD and I was like, who is this person? I'm going to find out about you. I'm going to stop <laughs> everything you've written. And then I found another person. Um, so he, and I just was like, these people have saved me. Like they've saved me. And so then I started testing it and I would have a cookie and I would have something like, I don't know if I'm allowed to. And so I competed again, but I did it flexible. So Mm -hmm. I still had two Oreos every day, all the way up until I got on stage and I felt better. I thought I looked better and I went, holy crap. I can do this. Like this stuff, this is for real. <laughs> and then when I was talking to the girls behind stage, they're talking about like, oh, I just eat tilapia and asparagus. It's like, not me. <laughs> um, and so while I do think competing can reinf- can either create a bad relationship or reinforce one, if I wouldn't have competed, I don't think I would have went into research mode and found those people that pretty much saved me and stuff like that. Yeah, so it was just your path. That was yeah, it was my path. And so it's funny, girls will come to me and they'll be like, Hey, you know, do you do competition prep? And I say, no, I don't. Why? Mm-hmm. Because I don't want to be the person who creates a body dysphoria issue that you don't already have. So, mm-hmm. and especially if they're in their twenties, like I'm almost 35 years old. So I went through the crap for a decade (laughs) Mm -hmm. and the crying and the binging and the emotional eating and thinking something was wrong with me. I, it took a lot of work. I could never help somebody compete and they create, even if we did flexible dieting the whole time, I, I fear creating something for them that they didn't have before. So I don't, I don't coach competing. And as of right now, I haven't competed in a, a year and I don't know if I will again, mm-hmm. not because I think it's the worst thing in the world, but there are more important things to me right now. Yeah. Um, and I want to focus on, on those. So that's my view of the competing world. You can do it in a way that doesn't have to be harmful. Um, that means not competing all the time. But if you do it in a way where you either create a bad relationship with food or you create a bad relationship with your body, people talk about the rebound after competing. Like, I don't want to lose this extreme body that I had on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, that's where it can be very, very dangerous. And then like, how did you, after competition, how mm-hmm. did you adjust your lifestyle? Like, did you still 
do flexible dieting? Did you transition into like doing where you just ate intuitively, where you didn't track? Like, how did you make sure that your mindset stayed well after, after competition? Yeah. So, um, once I finally really felt healed and stuff like that, I did two competitions total where I was flexible and then I would reverse out of those come to a much healthier body weight and stuff like that. And then I will usually go three to four months where I'm just kind of eating in general and eyeballing things and just like feeling good. And then I'll go a couple of months where I'm tracking a little bit. And my main reason for tracking for like maintenance is because I fall victim of forgetting to eat. (laughs) Right. You know, when you're in work mode and you're just like, you got your head down and you're going, 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 I will look up and go, um, haven't eaten anything. Yeah. Like it's three o'clock and I've had coffee. (laughs) Yeah. And so I have to be careful that I also don't fall into a different, almost extreme, which is, well, now I'm just not eating enough because I'm so focused grinding it out, trying to build my business and mm-hmm. take care of the kids. Which and, is just as bad. Like yeah, you're not going to get instant skinny if you just stop eating. Like your body yeah. going to go yeah, into so, like survival mode. Mm-hmm, yes, exactly. And so I have to make sure that I don't fall into the other category. So sometimes I'll just like, okay, well, I haven't tracked in a while. I'll track and be like, oh, Cassie, man, you need to go eat some food. Like last <laughs> night, last night. So I haven't tracked for the last couple months. Um, last night it was like 1030 at night. And I looked at my fitness pal. I'm like, seriously, like 1500 calories. I needed beating like 2000, like 2100. So I just went over to the sun butter jar. I really love sun butter. Yes. Um, I, took, I, love- I took a spoon. I was like, this looks like a hundred. This looks like a hundred. <laughs> All right. Good. Because I need to make sure I'm eating enough. Like I love to lift. I, you know, I yeah. want to build more muscle. And if I'm not eating enough, then that goal goes out the window too. So sometimes I have to fact check my, uh, myself as well. Yeah. Does that make sense? Like I know yeah, I can kind yeah. of so I like to go back and forth, macro mindful, macro mindful, macro mindful, but I always do it from a place of love and not from like a place of yeah. hate. And, and honestly, I've thought about tracking again, mm-hmm. just to eat because yes. recently, and I, so like when you said that, I was like, yes, I'm not alone. Yeah. I've honestly, like, I don't really like tracking now since I haven't done it for so long. Cause I mm-hmm. used to like do it hardcore. Like everything had to be to the gram. If I was five grams over on anything, my day was ruined. It was terrible. Yeah. But and that's the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But now I'm like, dang, because I know I just don't eat enough throughout the day and I need more energy to do all the things I want to do. So it's like, it's hurting me. And I'm like, I want to eat. But then like when you're so, when you've not eaten for so long and you go to try and eat something, you just don't crave anything. And that's that's where I've been at lately. So honestly, I've even thought about tracking just for the sake of yeah, like, like am I getting all my nutrients in? Like, oh, right. it is funny though, because, and I get, do get this question, Cassie, I'm trying to do intuitive eating, but I don't think I'm eating enough. And if it's one of my clients, I'm like, okay, well, let's see what you're actually eating. And I'm like, this is scary. Like you aren't even getting enough fiber in. Like, let's talk mm-hmm. about, now we got to talk about health. Um, and so, you know, we got, because then one day, Will you be like, holy crap, I've been eating enough. Now I got to eat everything in sight. Cause I don't want to reinforce that either. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mindful macros can be just like a beautiful place that I think you can go back and forth if you want to there. And if you don't do it from a place of love, if you do it from a place of hate. And like I said, if you fall into what you did, which was if I'm over, I messed up. 
Yeah, that was the worst part of it. And I would Mm -hmm. be so upset. And I don't like, I wouldn't show that I was upset, but inside I would be like, damn, like I was so close. That's not how it should be. (laughs) Yeah. So, and I think um, that's also what, and listen, I don't know if other people make the distinction. I make the distinction between just macros and flexible dieting. And the reason I make the distinction is because flexible dieting gives you grace. It allows you to not hit your numbers. It allows you to actually maybe have a day or a week or two weeks where you don't track at all. Like let's say your goal is fat loss and you've chosen macros to get there. Um, then maybe you have like just a break for a week or two or it's your kid's birthday party. So you have a non-track day. Like that's what mm-hmm. I think true flexibility is. Like that's what I work with my clients on is it's not about always hitting your macros. It's about when you, it doesn't feel good for you that day, just kind of put the phone away and you're good to go. That's mm-hmm. true. That's flexibility. So I don't teach any of my clients that it has to be spot on. We talk a lot about giving yourself grace and making sure you're treating yourself. So once again, you could do macros and still be a clean eating nutcase. You could be do yeah. macros and still be a paleo nutcase and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, It's about making sure you're still having food, like glass of wine, have it. Um, A lot of my moms, before they go, before, when they put the kids down, the house is finally silent. And I'm like, that's when you like to eat, isn't it? She's like, yeah, that is. Like I hear every time. And I'm like, I get it. So let's eat. And we're like, Cassie, but it's eight o'clock. It goes, so does something happen at eight o'clock that I'm not aware of? (laughs) And they're like, yeah, but you're not supposed to eat at a certain time. It goes, lies. (laughs) And I was like, if some chocolate at eight o'clock, eight thirty, nine o'clock, 10 o'clock feels good, let's do it. If some wine at that time feels good, let's do it. Like what, that's true flexibility. That's mm-hmm. truly more of a lifestyle than, uh, oh, it's eight o'clock. If I eat at eight oh one, I'll get fat. <laughs> like, yeah. And that's not realistic. It's not long term. Like when you take that away from you, those are the things you really like. And when you take those away from you, you're not going to get enjoyment out of your day. Mm-hmm. Like, look forward to that wine and that chocolate. Have the damn wine and chocolate. I know. <laughs> and the time thing. I've been told that because I, my mom has, I grew up with her being a nurse. And so mm-hmm. she would always work 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. By the time she would yeah. get home and be ready for dinner, like after she bathed and got clean and finally like rested, it was always nine o'clock. So every time my friends would come over for dinner, they would have two dinners because they would have dinner at their house and then they would have their second dinner with us. And they'd be like, Jack, we don't get how you eat so late. Like we don't get it. Like, that's just so bad for you. I was like, why is it yeah. bad for you? I'm still eating. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, it doesn't change. If you had an entire large pizza at 7 a.m., like, is that okay? As opposed to an entire large pizza at 9 p.m. Like, does your body react differently? Do we truly believe this Like, that's nuts to me. Whether the donut's in the morning or the donut is in the evening, it's the same donut. It's the same donut. Mm -hmm. If the lettuce is in the morning or the lettuce in the evening, it's the same lettuce. It didn't become magical in the morning and the (laughs) devil in the evening. (laughs) That's such a good way to describe it. How How would you say for the majority of your clients, do you teach them how to track macros or do you teach them how to kind of, do you do like a little bit of both? Do some of them not track? Like what is it that they end up seeing longevity in? 
Yeah. So it's really interesting. And it's another reason why I do those consults. So for some of my ladies, we, they're ready to track, like they already have some prior knowledge, but nobody ever told them they could be flexible with it. So it messed it. Yeah. Nobody ever told them. They're like, no, you have to still eat the right, these certain foods. And so that permission alone, like when they're given permission for somebody who can help them get results, it's like a weight is taken off of them. They're like, oh my gosh, I can. Um, and so some of them come in and they're like, I absolutely love macros, but I don't love the way I was told I have to do it. So, mm-hmm. okay, well, you're a different case than someone else who, if they come with a very serious emotional eating, binge eating thing, we may have a couple of weeks where we're just talking about releasing the power food has over us. So I have a few clients where we don't track anything. Um, we just talk about creating healthy habits not even because they're overweight, because we're trying to heal their relationship with food. Mm -hmm. And then I allow them to say, either I'm ready or no, this feels really good. Let's go with that. So that's why those conversations have to be constant because what might feel good last month might not feel good this month because stress in one month is harder than another month. Like if you're going through some serious stuff, tracking probably isn't the best idea. Like you, you already have to have your focus on so many things. Like why, why add tracking on top of it and everything? Um, but then there's also those people where, you know, they'll come in and they'll say, okay, I'm nervous about tracking because I really like date night every Friday with my spouse. And I'm like, okay, well then let's eat more that day. And they're like, what? And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's you, an option. You no, know it's not a day to day thing, right? Like let's look at the full week. Let's look at the full week. Let's mm-hmm. have 2,500 calories on Friday. I can do that. Yeah. <laughs> like, do you think one day is like a make or break? No, but mm-hmm. also you have to look at it as like, what did you do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday? And then Fridays are big, like, okay, I'm going to have, I'm going to have a relax. We're going to go out. I'm going to have filet mignon. I'm going to have an appetizer. Mm-hmm. And then Saturday, okay, I'm going to increase my water intake, add a few more veggies in, not out of hate, but because I so joined myself last night and I can't wait to just feel good again today. So we mindfully have days where we increase their total intake. But I, every person is different. So I have to have that conversation with them. And then even with my ladies in the lift, like a boss program, it's so funny to see how they change throughout. So I'll have them come in and I teach them macros. So we have like a, they have a full in-depth questionnaire. Um, I have them keep, you know, a diary. So I understand who they are and how they eat. Like one day it's like a thousand, another day it's like 3000. It's like 1500. Like, girl, we just got to establish some consistency (laughs) all over the map here. (laughs) And then it's so cool to see them get some progress, get some progress, get some progress. And then like some by the end are just like, Hey, I think I'm going to go mindful. And I feel really good about that. And I'm like, yay, you've like graduated. (laughs) Graduated. Because they recognize that things in their life are changing. They feel so confident that they can eat flex, flexibly, flex, they can flex diet. (laughs) (laughs) And they don't have to always track because that's the true transformation, right? Mm -hmm. Like it's not flexible if you always think you have to track. 
Yeah, if like you, if you don't enter it in your phone, you have to go crazy for the rest of the yeah. day. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So to see them make that transition, I'm like literally having like happy dances in my house and stuff like that. Like I'm so proud of you. Look at you graduated. You're like a big girl. <laughs> and it's just beautiful for them to come and make that decision on their own. Mm-hmm. And then once again, they're a lot of times looking for that permission. Is this okay? Yeah, it's okay. Like it's perfectly okay. Look how amazing you're doing. Look, look at where you were when we started. Look at how you were like, holy crap, I didn't know I ate like this, or this is like a huge window. Like I had no idea. I was all over the place. Um, and then feeling like now they're starting to build some muscle. They're starting to lose a little bit of um, fat. And they're like, I feel really good about going mindful for the next couple of months. And I'm like, that's awesome. I'm here to support you. Yeah. That's like, that's like the end goal. Yeah. Yeah. Feels really good. Mm -hmm. And um, I know you made a post about this recently because again, (laughs) Instagram stalked you. Um, (laughs) If you aren't doing it, there's something wrong with you. That's what I figure these days. Um, but what is it that you believe stops people from living without food guilt? Because it is one thing to like, want to live intuitively and eat the food you love, but what is it in people's minds that allows them with with your experience and like the majority of the women you see that keeps them from living without food guilt? Two, I think it's twofold. One really is education. Like when you can, Mm -hmm. I know it's like boring, right? But when you can show them the data and the science, they're just like, hmm, I don't know. Cause now it's not me just talking about it. I'm actually showing you like, like referencing it in like a big way. So that does help women like, facts i think sometimes more than men <laughs> yeah we like the reason why we like to know the yeah. why. where did you get this why does it work which source did you get it from like we're very yeah. interrogative yeah and then i think we have decided that emotional eating is bad in all forms so just because you turn to a carton of ice cream because the day didn't go well. Yes, that was emotional eating. But what about the emotional eating when you are making your grandma's recipes who maybe your grandma passed away? That's emotional eating, but it's a happy emotion. Yeah. So let's talk about emotional eating and the spectrums and in, or you know, you know, enjoying the holidays and be like, oh my gosh, these are the best foods. These remind me of XYZ. Oh my gosh, this is the um, cake that um, we, you know, my, it's my son's birthday. I'm going to enjoy this. That's emotion too, but it's good. Like, so let's talk about emotional eating on a much bigger level. And I think once we start destigmatizing the fact that emotional eating isn't always this horrible, horrible thing, it starts to release some of that food guilt. Like, oh wow, I never thought about it that way. Like, yeah, doesn't it feel good mm-hmm. to enjoy, you know, food with your family that like maybe is a tradition? Doesn't it feel good to be in the kitchen and making pizza and laughing? and having some wine and watching a movie and having some popcorn, like, doesn't that feel good? Yeah, it does feel good. Okay, then don't feel bad for it. Don't sacrifice memories. Mm -hmm. But it's a process, it's not overnight, it's taken me years. And also understanding that it's gonna take a long time. It's not overnight. But I think think that the fitness industry has screwed people up. I think Google has screwed people up. <laughs> yeah, WebMD. Yeah, WebMD. Oh my gosh, yes. Um, and I think it's just restarting that conversation. And they have to implement it too. Because I don't think anybody believes that they can be 
mindful and flexible if they don't actually implement it and trust it. Mm -hmm. They have to do it and then go, oh my gosh, nothing happened. In fact, these pants are a little too big on me now. Like they don't believe it until they actually sometimes get a result. Um, and so then they're like, I didn't know. It's like, but you did, you just didn't want to believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's sometimes it too. And did you, do you ever find yourself like still having those thoughts? Do you ever feel like they sometimes creep back up into you? Yeah, absolutely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. I am, I don't, I, we're human. Yeah. We're human. You can take the most confident person on the planet and they will tell you they have moments where they don't feel that great absolutely do I have times where I'm just like, wow, Cassie, like you've really kind of gone overboard, like get your crap together. Mm -hmm. And then I have to go, okay, well, why did I go overboard? Oh, wait, we were just on a full week vacation Mm -hmm. and it's okay. Like, (laughs) so I have to stop myself. I really do. But I will say every year gets better. So I would say my 2018 was like, so much better than my 2017. Mm-hmm. And then 2016 when I was, I was still trying to figure things out. So like that was my first year of true flexibility. 2017, I was like, okay, all right, I got this. 2018, it was like those moments are further and further and further between. So I'm not, you know, 100%, but now I already know 2019's going to be like, even better. Like I was getting um, ready to go out. When I say go out, I mean, I had a different pair, a a clean pair of leggings and we went to a friend's house for New Year's Eve. (laughs) That is going out. (laughs) Yeah. And so I was getting ready and like, I haven't tracked for a couple of months and I just went, and then we just got home from a vacation and I just went, Cassie, you look good. Like really good. Not because I'm bulging with muscle. I have no abs right now. And when I thought that to myself, I was just like, wow, look how far I've come. Like mm-hmm. look, feeling like I look amazing wasn't tied to a certain, what I think a lot of us uphold is what fit looks like. Right. Yeah. Um, so, and that, so it wasn't my shredded point where I had that moment. It was actually the, my most balanced point where I said, girl, you look good. And that felt good. Like that was the first time where I truly was like, wow, I'm kind of impressed with myself. Good job, Cassie. You've, you're doing even better. <laughs> um, so, and that was just a couple of days ago where I really like was like, wow, it's gotten, I'm even better this year than what I was the year before. Holy crap. Like what, how can I continue on this path and everything? Mm-hmm. Continue on this path and eat Oreos before every Yes, eat Oreos. <laughs> <laughs> Oreos and so if you had to give like, go- okay, so say that there are a group of girls or a girl or a guy that comes up to you and they are still struggling with having their food guilt, what are the first mm-hmm. steps that you would just give them in terms of advice for how to heal their relationship? Cause I know there's a minute, I know there's a million and it'll take, it is a, it'll take time. But like, what would you say the first things are to start like working your way towards that lifestyle that you want? Start planning a small treat for yourself every couple of days. I like, like that. I will, the, I, every couple of days. Cause if you tell them every day, it'll throw them off. Like I do think like I do treat myself every single day, but that'll throw them every couple of days plan to just treat yourself. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have to be this ginormous meal, something small. What is, and I'll ask them like, what's, 
what's something that like, oh man, I really like this. I'm like, oh wow, I do too. All right, I have that. Mm-hmm. And so every few days, just treat yourself and I guarantee nothing will happen. <laughs> and, and, and it's one of those things like, wow, I had that sugary thing and nothing happened. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Imagine that. <laughs> but, <laughs> like the scale didn't go up the next day um, or any, you know, nothing crazy. You still fit in all your clothes. Um, so yes, yeah, start just by treating yourself little by little. And once you see that no major changes happen, it will start to release the power food has. The problem is we restrict, then we overeat and binge. Mm-hmm. And overeating and binge is a bit different from each other. But then we restrict and then we fall off. We restrict and then we fall off. Stop restricting and treating yourself and then you won't feel like you have to jump off and nosedive into like overload. (laughs) So yeah, start small, start small because it can be scary, really scary. I love that answer. And that was really, that was really <laughs> all I wanted to talk about. You like, nailed, you nailed everything. <laughs> I had like this list of stuff I wanted to ask you and I was just like, check, 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 check. <laughs> like you just, it just kept going, but that's why I really love doing it. But thank you so much. This little no, thank you. Time we've talked not being on Instagram. I know guys, right? you can totally have internet friends. It's totally cool now. <laughs> really cool. Literally all my friends now, like in 2019, all the friends I've made so far, all internet friends. Totally. <laughs> yep. And I think that's why my mom worries about me sometimes. She's like, Do you hang out with your girlfriends? I was like, like on the internet? Like where am I hanging out? With <laughs> like, like physically? Cause no, but <laughs> I talk to people. Does that count? <laughs> Thank you so much for coming on today. I greatly appreciate it. And how do people find you? How do they get a hold of you for programs, Instagram, all that stuff? Yeah. So the best two main avenues where really they can connect with me the most is one at Cassie Lynn Lift, and that is myself on Instagram. But the other one is I have a um, women's only Facebook group. And trust me, this is not like other Facebook groups. It is a happy, we're building muscle and kicking ass kind of group. (laughs) There's no pettiness, but that's called the lady lifting community. Um, and if you want to just really connect with other women who are going through the same crud that you've been through, but are there to like help pick you up and give you like ideas. Um, that is the place. That place is, I think we're about 3,700 strong there. Holy um, crap. That's really, yeah. that's a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that is the other place like that. That's my tribe right there is the lady lifting community on Facebook. Yep. I got you. Well, thank you so very much. I hope you have a great rest of your day. It was good to finally talk with you. I know. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Revival Podcast. If you loved this episode, make sure you subscribe and leave a review letting me know your thoughts. And remember, there is nothing more empowering than the ability to ignite your very own revival.